Okay. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In The Money Players podcast. This was supposed to be a show about racing taking place at Laurel Park on Boxing Day, December 26th. But due to weather, due to, to crazy uh, Mother Nature related reasons, the card is now going to be contested Friday, December 30th. But not redrawing. The card is the card. Uh, many, almost all the horses expected to participate. So we're going to go ahead and do the show at the time that we were going to originally give you all a few extra days to handicap. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, coming to you from the Brooklyn Bunker once again. And very happy to be joined by uh, two real Maryland experts. And uh, we'll start off with the man from the MHBA. We've had a bunch here recently. He does a great job managing uh, communications over there. Also a real student of the game. He's John Piasek. John, how are things? I am doing great, Pete, and I'm very glad the MJC um, sent out that text um, uh, before we uh, recorded the show. It makes our lives a lot easier, <laughs> but it is a great card. Um, a lot of Maryland bred all-stars here. 20 Maryland breds entered, including the presumptive Maryland bred Horse of the Year, who we'll talk about in a little bit. It's a great day and, and a great showcase of Maryland racing. It is, the, it is all of those things. And, yeah, you mentioned six stakes races on the card. This is a card that uh, commands attention. And the other gentleman who will be joining us to talk about it, he's been on these airwaves before. I think back when we were doing the, the Stronic 5 shows, we had him on. Really one of the most knowledgeable handicappers when it comes to the Maryland circuit. He uh, makes the morning line down there and, and just has an opinion I always want to hear when it comes to racing at Laurel and Pimlico. He's uh, Keith Fustel. Keith, how are you? I'm doing great, Pete and John. Good to be here with you on this uh, crazy Friday here in Maryland as the weather is just kind of uh, really kind of whacked out right now. Wind's whipping around. We've had we've had rain. We've got wind. We've got maybe some snow, a little bit of snow on the way. So it's uh, it hasn't been pleasant. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, management and everybody making the right decision to make it make this change to move this car to friday it is crazy very similar to what we're dealing with i mean there was rain and winds last night to the point that woke me up at night and then came down in the brooklyn bunker was actually a little bit flooded able to uh, mm. get it get it in, in in ship shape in time for recording here but then in and now with this other ridiculous cold front coming in yet yeah, it feels like uh, the right move and new york racing getting lucky not being uh you know with, with the, there and their little break that ended up getting timed really well but i have a feeling with the extra days to prep this could end up being a good thing for this card here at laurel with the with these stakes races we're going to start our analysis we're going to go over the six stakes and the card itself we should note starts at 11 25 a.m the first stakes race is 12 52 We've got uh, we've got the heft stakes. We're going seven furlongs for the two-year-olds in this spot. John, we're going to start it off with you. Who do you like in this field of eight? Well, I know post time has been getting a lot of attention for um, Brittany Russell, and he should. I mean, he's three for three, won the Maryland Juvenile very impressively last time out. But it's possible she has another two-year-old colt in her bone who's just as good, and that's number seven, Prince of Jericho. He's very chalky. He's the H5 morning line favorite. But he's been extremely impressive in his last two starts. He was third behind his um, stalemate on debut, then broke his maiden by 11 lengths on October 28th, beat, his, beat Nest Out winner Bealing Woozy in 
into the process, Dr. Payton drew off powerfully, then tuned in a similar effort to a first-level allowance going away on November 19th on another huge speed figure that day. He's put an 89 and a 95 on the Brisnet scale in his last two starts, not unlike the marks the post-time has earned in his last two races. No one's going to get rich betting him, but if he runs back to those two stars, he's going to be extremely tough to beat. Yeah, that makes sense as a, a very logical contender off those easy wins uh, in the last two starts. When it came to the morning line, Keith, you had a little bit of a decision to make here with those uh, gaudy ah. win totals from Prince of Jericho and then uh, the body of work from Full Moon Madness, who was uh, uh-huh. stakes placed the last day. How did you uh, ultimately make your decision to separate them and, and who do you like in this race? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I've got them pretty close, eight to five, two to one. Would not surprise me, Full Moon Madness. People see the great three right there in the Nashua. But, uh, you know, the way Brittany Russell is just kind of rolling here, and she's kind of stepped onto a national stage a little bit too. I mean, I just think big things are ahead of her. And Prince Jericho, this is the fashion uh, that he's won, obviously keying up against post-time, as John had said. Uh, I, I, I lean slightly from the morning line to him. I think he is the horse to beat. I'm a little bit leery of full moon madness with some speed outside of coffee with Chris. who's very quick at it to blankers the last couple of times. Will full moon madness be able to sustain a move into that? Because his best race, that gaudy number, that 82, came from a, a you know a slop at this racetrack, uh, got the lead, was able to control things. Let's see if he can kind of move and then keep grinding at this seven furlong distance. That that last quarter in the Nash was just uh, pedestrian. So I lean Prince Jericho. I, I think Midnight Troubles in, in for a rebound uh, going second time here for Peter Walter to make that move from just off the pace. Looks like a versatile sort to me. Prince of Jericho has one thing in his in his pace figures on time form US that really tips him as a runner to me. And it's that that ability to make two moves, you know, to set out there uh-huh. pretty fast, mm-hmm. pace figure wise, to settle and then to be going fast again at the end. That's not easy. And uh, I, mm-hmm. I I would tend to lean with you two. John, how about you? Anything else in here that you might want to use to come with Prince of Jericho? Or is this going to be a, a single and move on situation? I think playing multi-race bets, Prince of Jericho is a single type. But if you're playing exactors or trifectas, there is one interesting Maryland bet in here who I think could slip through the cracks in a betting. That's number one. We don't need Rose, a son of opportunity who's having a good first season at stud. Now, he is cross-entered at Parks on Tuesday, so just keep that in mind. But if he goes here, he is going to be interesting. And he actually made waves for stuff he did off the track. He, he sold for... $100,000 at the recent um, Atlantic December mix sale in Timonium sold to Jeff Pothmore. He had a nice race at Delaware Park last time, showed a lot of hard stock the pace out all the way down the stretch with an odds-on favorite, got out to win by a head, and earned a career-best figure. He's beaten winners, he's proven at, at longer distances, and he could absolutely grind on uh, uh, for a slice at a good price. Plus, a hunch play for Back to the Future fans, of which I know there are many in the audience. So we don't need roads. A nice little shout there in race number four. With that, we will move on to the Philly version of the race, the Gin Talking Stakes. Uh, we are going seven furlongs. Once again, we've got 100,000 in the pot and a field of eight going postward. We'll start with you on, on this one, Keith. Any interesting mm-hmm. angles in, in making the line, or do you want to just dive oh. right into your opinion? <laughs> yeah, this race to me was was virtually impossible to split four horses. I know Stonewall Sue. I kind of ended up on her as a slight two to one favorite uh, with some good races. You know, she's she's two for four. You know, 
second and a third. She ran big against the boys uh, up at Finger Lakes after breaking a little slow. Um, but, uh, you know, Malibu Moonshine, two for two, give me kisses, debut winner for Pletcher, tapping Josie, first time Russell. All these figures are kind of in range with each other. And I think, as you know, when I look at the line, the first thing I'm going to glance at is that buyer number. You know, that kind of that's what everybody's rushing in the windows with on a quick handicap and scoop. So they're close, capable barns. Um, I, I tell you, I watched Give Me Kisses race this morning. Pletcher doesn't run a ton here uh, at Laurel. I think it's, he's 13 to 37 the last five years. So he doesn't run a slew, but he's there, a positive ROI. And I think this horse got a lot of seasoning off the debut run. I think her field, she ran the same day as Stonewall Star. I think she ran a, a Kent State better group overall in that maiden race than Stonewall Star did in that state. If I were to hold your feet to the fire in terms of selections here, how would you how would you rank them strictly from a handicapping point of view? Well, I, I'm going to go handicapping. I'm going to key uh, give me kisses, and, and I'll just use her kind of with the chalk. It's, it, I just can't see any of these other horses. Maybe Gormley's Gabriella for, for Hammy, if you're looking in that second and third position to boost things at a 12-to-1 morning line. But uh, I, I really like the way the floor ran. She beat a horse. Uh, that ran a capable figure the race prior and has come back to run a, a high seven or a low 70 when galloping next time out. So I, I think she's good. She's out of a mare that was really good in one of her first six races. Um, six and a half to seven. I think she's going to be just fine to, uh, on Friday. Love it. John, how do you see it? Well, I really like um, Tappan Josie, although as a yep. fan and as a good MHBA employee. I will be cheering for Malibu Moonshine, the presumptive champion trio of Philly. Um, think she's in, in with a shot off an impressive closing effort in her last two. Plus, it's nice that Charlie Baker shipped her back down here. That being said, Tappan Josie not only is a, a Brittany Russell trainee, she's a recent claim by Russell. Brittany claimed her for 62-5 um, mm-hmm. last time out from Jerry Robb. Don't see horses claimed um, that high a place that often, and she ran huge in her last start, I thought. She was three wide on a very fast pace, um, dueled with Barcerati, who stopped badly, and the winner of the Maryland Million, Lassie Chickiness, who um, couldn't last, held on the third, and did come back to win and allowed optional claiming race last Saturday. But Tappan Josie drew off, held clear, earned a very good speed figure. It's actually won against winners twice, but was taken down in late um, September. It is going to be a class test here, as Keith noted, a lot of voices coming down from New York for this spot. That being said, if she runs back to her last two, she's going to be tough. And I also think that because of those gaudy lines from some of the others, um, hopefully Tappan Josie goes off at, at a little bit of, of a higher price than seven, she deserves. 7-2 to two on the morning line. Would you be happy enough mm-hmm. with that, John? I would take that. I... Things end up being nine to two, five to one, and in that case, I would jump all over. All right, we'll see how it plays out. We'll yeah, see well, that's the- good. It's glad to get your opinion there on the line. I had basically the first line that I put out. I had Stonewall Sue at two. I had Malibu Moonshine at three. Give me kisses at three. Tap and Josie at three. I just kind of bumped up. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's uh, a lot of ways to go. A bit there. Yeah. It's um, it's interesting, and of course, the guess you know what Keith is doing in making that line is trying. You add another layer of complexity. It's not 
what chance do they even have of winning? It's it's not even as straightforward. No. It's that it's it's oh, yeah. Yeah. it's what's the crowd going to do? Which is always and I and mm-hmm. I love what you were saying, Keith, about you know giving that little extra bump to the the, the horses that are going to sort of leap out on the in 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 the quick capping too. <laughs> you know, there's, yep. there's a lot of things that uh, that go into it. Not not an mm-hmm. easy job, and certainly a thankless one. Has anyone mm-hmm. ever said to you in your life, Keith? Oh my gosh, race six, that was such a great morning line. Well. I, I... I'll have you know my partner Bill with Echo Base, who I do the charts with. Or you know he'll uh, he'll give me a little little pat on the back. And uh, sometimes but no, very very rarely never <laughs> from anybody else out there. Exactly. Now if I'm way off, yeah, I'll get abused <laughs> to the highest degree. That's fine. But uh, you know one thing I'm willing to do, and I, and I don't know if you ever watch the show, but I will admit sometimes you know a couple of days later, and I sit down, yes, you know with Callie or when I was doing Naomi or whoever I was doing the show with, I'll be like. I got this one wrong. So, you know, and I, you know, at least I'll acknowledge it before the race itself. That's that, that is one thing I'll, I'll know if I had a little hiccup or not. That's great. I pr- we appreciate yep. that level of transparency. Yeah. for sure. <laughs> We're going to skip ahead to race number seven. This is the Willa on the move stakes. We're going six and a half for Phillies and mares three and up six and a half, uh, six and a half uh, on the dirt is the distance. Once again, field of nine going postward. Keith, let's let you kick this one off. Okay. Uh, well on the move another really good race and, and i think obviously the highlight here is is the maryland brand david spree going for her sixth win stakes win i should say and she's just in, in great form right now at six uh she's got i think the the rail everybody says well it can be troublesome six and a half i think she's okay um and she does not have a ton of speed outside of her so the main speeds draw outside i think she's going to be able to draft in position she just breaks fairly cleanly she'll be there looking to strike mid-turn but this is no slam dunk uh field that she's going to just kind of walk over by any means i don't think so um i I think you've got an unknown here in the eight union lake back on lasix which has been you know another handicapping challenge uh, for especially with these two-year-old races but she's back on lasix and run against the right con obviously wicked halo you know a big effort uh that she was in the British Cup, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep, yep. she ran right back yeah. and ran third. So, yeah, so Fouet, uh, very quick from the outside. Don't let Sweet fool you. Uh, maybe if you're looking for a price, it wants her, I mean, wants her. Mario Soray has swinging to and fro in, in great form. I did not expect that kind of speed. Last time she showed it, she's super sharp. She has the ability to rate as well. So there's your kind of flyer price, maybe in that six to eight to one range. But uh, eyes are going to be on Fiat Spray. You got you got to love what she's done. Jerry Robb, the whole gang, no guts, no glory. See Jack Phoenix. They've done a phenomenal job. And man, he's been on a roll with these horses. I, I like the little blast from the past there with Juan Saray getting a call. I'm 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 yeah. thinking of you know Monmouth Park in the in the in the late nineties. That, that, that was me back in the early nineties, yeah. <laughs> John will bring you in. I think we know who you are professionally obligated to start talking about. That's the favorite uh field d'esprit. Are or from a gambling point of view only, are you with or against today? Yes, because I think she's gonna get, as Keith alluded to, I think she'll get a very similar trip. To the one she got in a million million distaff and the seeking the pearl stakes at, at colonial Downs. And i think the seeking the pearl is kind of illustrative of what she's up against too because that was a um very similar field i think to, um to the one mm-hmm. that you're seeing here you know um a lot of out of town spinners um a lot of horses who might have better class lines and she sat the trip on the inside came through drew off to win million million distaff same way stalk the pace 
came up and won going away. A politely stakes last time was kind of an exhibition because she was much the best on papers, but it was that same kind of trip. And there is a lot of speed in here swaying to and fro a South Carolina bread, by the way. Don't see too many of those, much less those winning stakes competition. She's going to be on the pace. Don't let speed fool you. She'll show some speed. For wet on the outside, Linda Rice, I think, is going to be near the pace. So if those three go at it, it's going to work out all the better. Four feet is free. I think she'll draw off and win, win her six stakes of the year and become the second horse anywhere in the country to do that and ice that Maryland Red Horse of the Year title. Love it. Who do you like to come with from a gambling point of view? So as I noted, I think swaying to and fro, as, um, again, as Keith said, ran a big race last time. I did not expect her to last on the front end in the safely kept, but she did. Showed a, a lot of hurt, fended off a, a lot of challenges, and pulled clear. Her and Jackie Grant Whitaker have a lot of chemistry. Plus, she's not quite a need-the-lead type. She can sit off the pace if she has to. So so, so if, if she rates in the two-path while the front runners go at it, it might not be the end of the world. I think Joe number four, another Maryland Red, at 10-1 to one is a little bit interesting. She was a solid closing second last time out behind Fetus Free in the politely. She, she started off the year a little bit slow, ran a bunch of not so great races at Delaware Park, but in his last few starts, her figures have improved. I think she could make a, a solid late rally and get up for third or fourth and round out the exotics at a good number. You never have to twist my arm too hard to throw in these Brittany Russell runners, I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. Let's proceed to race number eight, where we've got the Dave's Friend Stakes. Six furlongs, 100,000 in the pot, and uh, the field size, which has been solid all day, expands to 11 here. John Piasek, mm-hmm. we'll keep it with you. Well, there's three Maryland present here, um, including Jackson Traveler, most notable name coming down here. We ran a good race in the fall high weight um, handicap last time, which he very well could have won. He had the lead late, flattened out a bit, lost by just half a length. I ended up picking number four, Baron on top of He has cross-ended at Pugs earlier in the week. Um, he has really amped it up in his last few starts when Gate Chihuahua to win the jump start stakes there, going away. Ran a big race on the lead in the let's give um, thanks last time out. Fought hard in, in stretch, ended up third, and ran a career best percent figure of 105. Plus, he has a win on this track. He, he's not a pure creature of parks. He won the Francis Dash here in a, another big effort. He dueled on a very fast pace, had an opening quarter of 22 seconds flat, which you never, ever see horses go that fast at Laurel. But he held on, one going away. A long shot in, in here I like is another horse for Mario Surrey and Grant Whitaker. That's the five. Savoy, 15 to 1 on the morning line, claimed by Mario for $25,000 at Timonium in August. He's won his last three starts. He's been slowly moving up the class ladder, and he made a, a gigantic rally to get up and win a second level allowance optional claiming race with a, a career best figure of 95. Plenty of pace on in here, and if the pace ends up melting down, he'll be right there to scoop it up. 15 to 1 on the morning line that would be uh, mm-hmm. that would be a, a very pleasing result for the gambling coffers uh, as we approach the end of of the new year. Let me bring you in Keith. One horse mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about who uh, leapt out to me in this spot was the 10 factor it in. Yeah. Uh, curious to see if you think he can figure in the mix and get your overall thoughts on the race. No, absolutely. Absolutely. He's he's in a career best form. Uh 
run two good races in New York over the aqueduct surface. He's going to get flowing here, no doubt. And his run at Laurel on that sloppy sealed surface was really, really good. Just relaxed, comfortable, you know, kind of eased his way up between horses and just rolled by. So, you know, this opening quarter is going to be critical. If this field stays intact with 11, um, I'm not terribly concerned with his outer draw with some other horses kind of going out and chasing. So, he might be able to find him in a perfect spot mid-turn. If he kind of moves up like he did in that race in the, uh, the shallow dine, he'll be ready to strike kind of maybe with some cover and work off of that uh, around around the top of the stretch three sixteenth. He's got a charge in here. Like, I don't see anybody else with his closing kick. Um, but I like Barron. I, 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 I think he's going to get position. Tough trip from the inside. Last time at Parks, proven over the racetrack. Great story as well. One of the owners, Chris Feifrick, uh, donates 10% of these winnings. Uh, to a cause, an autism cause. He's, he has a son, an older son, uh, on the autism spectrum. So I, I think it's a great story. He, he's a really cool horse, and he's, he's going to be, I think, right there at the finish. I think he's going to sit a perfect trip from on or just off the face. Because a couple of these horses inside him, Karen's notion, three's over, they kind of got to go, or, or, or they're just going to kind of get lost in the shuffle into the turn. Makes sense to me. I mean, uh, Baron has yeah. shown that ability too. Not a one-way yeah. speed horse. I mean, might just be fast enough to go gate to wire, but could probably also sit yeah. off if somebody wants to go on a mission. So for my little in-the-money plus notes, I'm writing you down as 410 in uh, in, in this one. Keith, does that sound about right, or any other numbers you want yeah, to Yeah, Yeah, that's cool. I, yeah, I can say take nothing away from Jackson Traveler. He's just been nails his, his whole career. Uh, price shot would be Wendell Fong if you're looking for something that 12 to 15 to one race. He was able to close on a speed favoring track on the 21st. Did get a, a dual setup. I will give you that. Um, but it was tough to close on that on that track that day. That was more of a speed favoring track. He looks like he's got one more step. If he's right, you know, he could maybe maybe get there late to help your exacting and trifecta. Next up, we take a trip on the carousel for the carousel stakes in race number nine. Phillies and mares, three and up, a mile and an eighth, and 100,000 in the pot. Another nice-looking field of 11 going postward in this spot. Keith, how do you see it? Yeah, uh, really interesting race from a from a morning line standpoint. Uh, I struggle with this one. I, I, you know, I do a phone a friend every once in a while, my old <laughs> buddy uh, Vinny Perone, uh, who's kind of sees races the way I do, and I would kind of go for him for confirmation. We talked this race through, and we were close. Uh I, I lean hybrid uh, hybrid eclipse as the favorite. I think Intrepid Dream is going to get plenty of play here for Gary Cap. I know she draws outside her last race, visually impressive, gaudy buyer number comparatively. And you know, you look at a horse like Barret. You know, she's one of the other. This is a two a two other than winner. Um, I think the post that was the reason I didn't make her the favorite. I, I think she's going to take a lot of play in here, but. Uh, I think from a betting standpoint, the best value is a horse that might slip through the cracks is the two. Malibu Beauty, I had her a little bit higher, then I lowered her a touch. She comes off the trouble trip. There's not really any speed in here. The horse to her outside might go, but she was ranked when trying to raid off of a horse last time. She she could set sail in here and go a long way. But I like I like either Gary Capuano horse. That's why I'm going to key. I'll key the two and the eleven, work them top and bottom in some exactness. I like the sound of that as a plan with the eight mm-hmm. and 10 being others that you'd certainly be um, mixing yes. in as well based on uh, based on how you see the race. Yeah, I guess the distance is, is a little bit of a question for Malibu Beauty, but if the lead <laughs> yeah. is, if the pace is steady enough, I, I don't really see any reason why she can't see out that mile in an eighth. John, what are you liking mm-hmm. here? 
Well, I'm glad I keep thought of both Gary Capuano and Trainees because both are Maryland dreads, Malibu Beauty and Intrepid Dream. And Malibu, um, Malibu Beauty, as Keith noted, um, at first that race in, in, in the 38 go-go left me a little bit cold. But I went back and watched the replay, and, and as Keith said, she just could not get settled. And I think it cost her a lot of energy. Also, she sat at faster fractions than she might have liked to. Up the front on the turn, but then unsurprisingly backed up. And there's not not a lot of speed in here. Think she could sneak away. And I'm not worried about the distance too much because her two stakes wins on the U. She went gate to wire at at Delaware Park and one going away. And it's not like she would have stopped all of a sudden if those races had been at a mile and an eighth. I like a long shot in here a little bit. Uh, number nine, Go Big Blue Nation. Owned by Larry Johnson, a stalwart of Mid-Atlantic Racing, trained by Graham Moses, another stalwart of the circuit. She only has one recent uh, uh, dirt line in her uh, credentials. It was an aqueduct on September 22nd in off-the-grass allowance optional claiming race. Could not track down a leader who sat who's at a very slow pace, and I think it ended up being the downfall. But Go Big Blue Nation did close well, got up for second loss by a half length, and ran a pretty gaudy speed figure, earned a 100 on the prisoner scale. Now goes back to Dirt here. Thinks she'll get a trip just off of Malibu Beauty. And even if Malibu Beauty does sneak away, I think Go Big Blue Nation can hold on for second at a good number. And if Malibu Beauty doesn't run a race and stops, all the better to go Big Blue Nation because she'll be right there to pick up the pieces. All right, bunch of good ideas. One more stakes race to cover. It is the Robert T. Manfuso stakes, a mile and a 16th on the dirt, that 100,000 in the pot once again, and an oversubscribed field this time around. John, we'll keep it with you. Well, there's a few notable Maryland dreads in here. Of course, number six, Coordinator, was actually bred by Bob Manfuso and right. his partner, Katie Voss, and he just became the latest Maryland Dread Millionaire in a much improved race in the Richard Small last time. He made his first start off a long layoff um, at Lowell in early November, and he just did not fire that day. He was well beaten. So I was quite skeptical of him going into the Small, but he ran a big, much improved race. He fought on in the stretch. Kept on grinding, ended up finishing third behind, excuse me, Armando O and Our Nation, Our Nation on parade and earned a much higher speed figure. Those two are back in here, but this could make it through to third off the layoff. Could be interesting. I ended up picking um, Armando O on top in here because he's beaten me a few times and I don't want it to happen again. He came from off a, he did get a fast pace run into in the, Japan Turf Cup, but he still made up a lot of ground today. He was 17 lengths back um, at the opening quarter, just kept gobbling and gobbling and gobbling and won, just missed his his career top figure that day. Then he ran another career top of a 101 in victory in the small last time out. That time, he didn't get as fast a pace to close into, but still ran on well. He's going for his third stakes win in a row here. He's in career best form. You know he likes his track. And if he runs his race, as I said, six to one. He, um, I thought, I thought that's kind of interesting. If he goes off at six to one, he'll be an excellent bet. Five and six, both six to one on the morning line. John looking for a bit mm-hmm. of a price to close things out in terms of the stakes action. Keith, what about you? Where where does your eye go from a wagering point of view? Yeah, this this race threw me for a little bit of a loop um, from a line standpoint. I, I had Armando R as low as nine to two. Bumped him back up uh, to six, 
it, it was really, really, really difficult for me. I think your your main two horses, I, I think our national parade, Ryan with five, they got great draws. You know, mile and sixteenth, shorter run. You've got the the inside post with horses that have tactical speed. Um, interesting to see if Eloquist goes here for Robert Reed, kind of a horse that wants to be close to. So he's got two two entered. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back and lean Armando R one more time. Just I think the value's there. Uh, he he looked like he was just not gonna get there last time, and the field just came back a little bit at a mile and an eight. Now we got a mile sixteen. I'm thinking. Things might ramp up a little, little sooner. I'm hoping our nation will parade and ride with Biden get engaged by the time they maybe hit the three eights. He's just kind of a, a grinding type, but what a phenomenal job Damon's done uh, with this guy's $16,000 claim. Um, <laughs> he's hitting at a 30% clip now, Damon, uh, one of the kind of the trainers. It's been a mainstay here for a lot, but he's really kind of risen to, to the spotlight right now. He's had a great meet. And this horse just keeps on chugging. So I, I think he offers value. Another sneaky price horse would be Plot the Dots. Um, jumped up around a 95 last time, kind of out of nowhere. Zabra Cadaver, though, the horse he beat, came back and galloped the other day with a 97 buyer. So they're your value shots. Um, the one to three take nothing about, uh, away from them. I think they're, they're going to be in the mix a long, long time. And even Courtmaker th- third off the break. But uh, I'll key around the five and the eight a little bit for some prices. I like it. If I were to hold your feet to the fire to round out those selections after the five and the eight, how would you order them? Mm, uh, that's tough. I, I'd go <laughs> something like five, five, one, eight, three, something okay. like that. Gotcha. But, but for wager, I'm going to put the eight second just because you felt like for wagering point of points of view, yeah. that was the plot, the yeah. dots, the one that you, that you maybe wanted mm-hmm. to key around a little bit. All right, yeah. John. Let's see if he can come back and run that race again. Huh? You know, he's the worst he's beaten these on the go back, back with Claudio and everything, but it's just that race kind of came out there where maybe you can pair it up. Yeah, it's a, there's a lot. I'd say this about this field. I feel like there's there's more questions than answers. It's kind of a fun one to to get it to get in uh, to get involved with mm-hmm. for uh, for sure. As far as far as this goes, John, any other messaging we want to get out there about this day or anything else going on uh, MHBA wise, or 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 are we wrapped? Well, well, I do want to also mention our our, our nation on parade. He is the defending Maryland Million Classic champ. I think he definitely has a shot in here, and of course, it it it, it would be nice to, to to see him run well. I do want to bring up that on December sixteenth, we opened up our new library and education center in Town. It's a beautiful place. It's a five thousand volume reference library. Um, got a media room, a memorabilia section, a conference area. It's an amazing place. We've done a great job, everyone. Our um, staff and volunteers have done a terrific job over the past few years putting it all together. We're not open over Christmas week, but starting in in New Year, we open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. So if you're in the area, we're at 321 Main Street in Town. Come out and check us out. I'd love to do that uh, and check it out in the new year. Always looking for good research facilities for, you know, historical podcast or, or book ideas. And I know we have a bunch of racing historians in the audience who will check that out. And even if you're just a fan, it's a fun, I'm sure it's a fun place to go and just get uh, lost down that rabbit hole of racing, uh, racing information. <laughs> All right, we have John. Code books going back from 1924 to 1980. <laughs> so if you're like me and you like looking up random old race results, that's a place for you. Yeah, it's it. You you can really get lost. I've had days at the Keeneland Library like that, where you go in looking for one thing and then you just you, you start pulling on a thread and forget about it. But it's a it's mm-hmm. a, a lot of fun. Same thing here. 
Keith, John, got, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate uh, your time and a busy week. And obviously, we'll, we'll get a lot of attention on this with the extra with the extra lead time. Love the love the early draw in general. This and and then this one, it's like you know early draw on steroids. So we've got the we we've got a lot to a lot of days to pour through the form and 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 take a look at this stuff. Uh, and appreciate you giving your early thoughts. And we will surely be talking again soon. Yeah, I appreciate Happy yeah. New Year, everybody out there. Good stuff, good stuff. All right, we'll thank John and Keith one more time. We'll thank our friends at the MHBA and the Laurel Park. And most of all, want to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do, as well as our founding partners at 10 Strike Racing and at the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business managers, Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge champion Drew Coatney, our chief creative officers, Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal. May you win all your photos. <laughs>